0: G'day, this is Tim Power and you're listening to Time To Talk. When I was young, I used to imagine what it might be like to be the son of a celebrity. What would life be like? Could I have anything I wanted? Could I meet the rich and the famous? Maybe I wouldn't have to go to school. Well, now that I'm older, guess what? (laughs) I, I still have the same fantasy. Here's the thing. When you're Johnny Punch Clock, like you and me, it's pretty natural to imagine what it might be like to have financial freedom. And I'll give you an example. I like to have a vase of flowers in my little rental home. But I think I've only ever done that once in all of these decades. And I vividly recall the time that I did. I would glance at these flowers as I passed and was always filled with mutual delight and chronic guilt. Those flowers represented money that probably should have been put aside for rent. So just like you, I occasionally imagine what it might be like to have more options. The option to take a year off work, the option to take my family overseas, or The option to buy a $12 bunch of flowers. When I peek and sometimes sneer at the world of celebrity, is it jealousy? I can honestly say not. In fact, the curiosity that you and I share about fame is one that we take pleasure in. So what would it be like to be the child of a celebrity? It can't all be good, right? Imagine being born into a fairly large family with a famous mother and the shadow of global celebrity cast over you. Imagine going through all of those crucial stages of childhood development with so many people around you at school being super interested in your mum. Do you think you might get treated differently if your mum was a star? How might it be for a child to be constantly engaged in conversations, not about themselves or their interests, what about their mother? What would it be like to attend an event where people are screaming and photographers are clicking, but those lenses are focused on your mum, never really on you? Over time, would you start to feel a little incidental? Well, of course, the truth is we can never assume what it's like to walk in another's shoes. So today, rather than make assumptions, I get nosy. And I ask our guest, Jake Pentland, what that childhood was like. He now co-hosts a podcast with his mother, who you all know, Roseanne Barr. And Jake shares his mother's uncensored style. He's forthright, he's direct. And he acknowledges that finding his own identity within a blended family and under the large shadow of celebrity hasn't always been easy. Now, we start this conversation with Jake attending to a massive water leak at the home he shares with his family, including his mother, in Hawaii. Maintenance, he says, is all part and parcel of his job as his mother's manager and assistant. Jake, listen, Tucker Carlson, he recently interviewed Vladimir Putin, I'm sure you're aware. Apparently, It took absolutely years to organize. There were constant negotiations with the Kremlin. There were encoded messages, secret pledges, CIA spying, and just a hell of a lot of stealth, really. I have to say, that was pretty much my experience of getting you on this show.
1: (laughs) I apologize for that. It is not easy to be me right now.
0: I'm not having a crack. It's just been six months, but we've both been really good at persevering.
1: Yeah, no. When there's where there's a wheel, there's a way, and I'm I'm really glad you stayed on me because. Oh, hold on! I found the thing. So let's take. Give me ten seconds. I found it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: and no,
1: more bullshit. All right. I I'm assume done. I assume
0: this was some sort of big lever that that was going to solve all the problems.
1: No, he's like, just grab a screwdriver and lift the uh, cement. So I did it. And then you look down and there's nothing to turn. I literally can't shut the water off, which is funny because in Hawaii, you can't get water uh, when your house is on fire. But if you break a hose, you can't turn the friggin' water off. So I wish I were in Lahaina.
0: At least you know what to do next time there's a fire. Yeah, exactly. get, get, get your nephew involved.
1: Yeah. Well, here water is sacred, they say. So if you're burning to death, They can't release it to you because of the Hawaiian water gods.
0: Listen, I'm going to make a suggestion. Take it or leave it. Do you want to push this back 30 minutes so that we're not pushing it back into the never-never? Is 30 minutes Uh, going to give you some...
1: Can you buzz me in? It's all sixes. Sorry. No, we'll be fine. Just give me literally four minutes. Okay. I've called the guy. He's coming. All right. There's nothing more I can do. All right. (laughs) I'm going to go get a quiet room. I've done all I can. I've been trying to shut this. That guy's coming to fix that water. Did we turn that on? Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to a quiet room now. This is amazing. Good on you, Jake. Can you hear the water in the background?
0: I can't, actually. You've obviously got a good...
1: Jake, did you turn that head
0: up? Yeah. Stopping the pressure.
1: I almost got it to... Oh, connect all right. It That's it. To... Go do what you got to do. Noah's going to be here in 20 minutes. I got to go do this call. All right, bro. Yeah. I'm on. I've been pushing the guy off to deal with this. I'm going to go do it now.
0: My wife's like, are you on that show yet? (laughs) Okay, we're good now. Just give me a picture. Are you you in a quiet room, a comfortable couch? Is it quiet around you? I am all quiet now. I'm all yours it's all good. How long is this going to be? A forty percent battery. Oh, okay. You you should be right. You should be right. Wow, okay. you've got all kinds of panic, man. This is like listening to me at work.
1: It's my job, man. I mean, I'm I'm. It's not just the podcast. The podcast is like what I do for fun. I don't get paid for it, and it's I love it. But I have like full time jobs on top of it. So mm. days like this, you know, I won't bore you with the details, but. Let's just say I, I literally handle everything for my mom from right. accounting, property management, managing, uh, emails, phone numbers, personal assistant, grocery stores. There's seven properties over three states. It's it's a lot.
0: Take a breath. Don't mind me, all right. I'm I'm good,
1: man. I'm a pro. All I'm right. here. Okay. All so right. whenever you're ready, let me know.
0: Well look, as I say, um we've been negotiating this for a while, but I will forgive you so long as you promise not to give me some sort of 35-minute history lesson that begins in 800 AD. I will not do that. i no, am right to the okay. point. Thank you very much. I don't, I don't have the temperament to pretend that I care <laughs> about a 1,000-year-old Viking invasion, and I can also tell you quite confidently, Jake, that I don't have Tucker's cartoonish head either. I love it. Jake, you currently co-host the Roseanne Barr podcast with your mother. Yes. It's an absolutely wild listen to say Thank the least. <laughs> and I'm going to give myself some props here. I made it through three hours of you and your mother talking to Eddie Bravo. Wow. that I made it through that and edited it and had to listen to it <laughs> at least. That was edited? Yeah.
1: You should i All joking aside, yeah, I cut out about
0: 47 minutes if I remember. Holy crap, man. I mm. really do want a medal for that one. As a li- I've never asked for a medal as a listener to a podcast, <laughs> but I want one for that. And I was a really good boy, Jake. I really mean this. I I was trying to follow. I I listened to it in about 16 parts in the car after work, before work. And I was skipping back going, am I missing something? Like, what are they talking about? How have they got to this subject? Yeah. It was a labor of love, I have to say, but very enjoyable. No, it is. And I I was, you know, I I have
1: a rule with my mom. She never follows, but I always ask her to please not smoke weed. Or if you're going to smoke weed, you know, wait till you're like 45 minutes in. The last 15 be wild. But uh, I don't know <laughs> if you saw the, the podcast this week. Not um, yet. We, or I guess it was last week, we did ads. The podcast was fine. It was with Tom McDonald. It was last week. But we, we shot it. Oh, ads. I did hear that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you, I don't, well, most people skip the ads, which is fine. But the ads were actually hilarious because once again, she took a big bong rip right before. And she had no idea what we were doing. So I'm like, okay, mom, before we started filming, like, okay, this is, you know, we have five ads. These are the companies. You just got to say this call to action, this promo code, I'll set you up. I'll tell you what's going on. And then you just look at the camera and say, you know, go to RoseanneBard.com forward slash whatever. And she looks at me and she goes, huh? (laughs) So I get so mad sometimes (laughs) because I'm also her son. It's not even like the podcast producer or co-host thing. It's like, it's also my mom. So yeah. Yeah. I just, I put them in. I didn't edit them down. So I, and it's just like the Eddie Bravo episode. Sometimes it's good for people to see, you know, behind the curtain, a little like (laughs) what it's like and that Eddie Bravo one. And I love Eddie and I really was excited for that episode, but they both smoked weed at the beginning and I couldn't keep up with it. They couldn't keep up with it. Nobody could keep up with it.
0: Yeah. And it's taken me all these months of your podcast to start to realize, hang on a sec, it's not me losing the plot. I think they're starting to lose the threads here, not me. But that's what I'm enjoying about it. So listen, many people won't know that you actually had your own podcast for a few years, and it was called the Jake Pentland Podcast. Yes. No ego at all in that title, Jake, <laughs> at all. No, I, never, I had a cult. I was a, I was a self-anointed <laughs> cult leader, so no ego there either. But what's really interesting about that podcast that you had is that it was forced to come to an end. And you were so disappointed, I recall. It came to an end because of an ultimatum given to you by your mother. And that ultimatum was essentially give up your podcast or you're out of the family business. Yes. Yes,
1: that is a true story. And, you know, I was very mad about it for a very long time. Uh, And then, you know, the exact reason she gave me was that it was demeaning to her, her legacy. Because I was pretty edgy. And at that time, she was very far left. You know, she had run for president as a socialist in 2012, and I was right wing. It certainly compared to her. You know, looking back, I'm glad that that podcast came to, <laughs> to an end because I would probably be in jail <laughs> if I were to continue doing
0: it with the way the world went. Well, to be honest with you, your new podcast makes your old one look moderate, in my opinion. But anyway, look, here, this all spilled oh. out publicly. She called in to your farewell show. Yes. Do you remember her diagnosing you on air? Uh, I don't remember exactly. I mean, I've, I've been diagnosed a times by her. Yes, please. She started, and I'm, I'm trying not to um, laugh. She started by describing your symptoms, which included craving drama, behaving in ways that would attract attention at all costs, risk-taking by placing your employment in jeopardy repeatedly, and then the constant pattern of begging your way back in when you ultimately felt that you were in over your head. And after describing all those symptoms, Jake, she diagnosed you as bipolar.
1: I do not remember that. That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, you got to think. can you end- imagine a listener listening to this? It was it was just a very personal conversation between a mother and a son. I think you both forgot that you were actually on a radio show. No, you know, to be
1: honest with you, that was probably the best episode of any podcast I've ever done. I mean, that's what I want. That's what I've always wanted to do. I I don't have secrets. I never did uh, that old podcast. You know, a lot of them are, are have been removed, but you know, we did some some very personal things. There was a few times she called in, um, Some sometimes rather angry. And even, you know, my co-host was my best friend. He still is. But, um, you know, she even went after him at one point with some pretty personal stuff. He, he didn't talk to her for years. He was very upset.
0: Yeah, it was all very authentic. But but I just want to track back over that reason that she gave you the ultimatum. Because some people would be like, what, a mother gives a son, an adult son, an ultimatum to stop the podcast? But she was talking about The fact that the controversial things you were saying on your show were damaging her brand and the family business.
1: Yes. And then, you know, as we know, she she ran into that herself. And that's that there's, you know, I don't want to say irony in it, but I'm not the kind of person, you know, I love my mom and I know I know where she was coming from. And even though I was angry at the time, that that anger dissipated and the landscape of the world became pretty clear to me too. And and then when it happened to her. I mean, if I were a less mature person, I probably would have been like, "Oh, now you know. Look, see, you know, I wasn't so bad." But yeah, she she had claimed that it was a little, it was racist, which of course it wasn't. Just like her tweet wasn't. Um, but that was. But you did do racial accents on your show. Oh no, it was definitely what would be considered racist by you know the 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 mainstream narrative today, but I don't consider that racist. She was I also very, very
0: f- upset at what she perceived as your constant fat shaming on the show. Yeah. Well, that was something else I did quite
1: regularly, which I'd love. I still do. I've lo- I've, I mean, I've been banned multiple times on Twitter and Instagram over the years, and usually that's the one I find that usually gets me in the most trouble, because most of the people that are censors for social media companies and, and wherever, even in businesses now, are fat women. And they're very, very angry and and bitter. They don't like to be called fat. They're not happy by being fat. And I just it's something I've always noticed. I just do it as a joke. But they're very vicious people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But people would be really surprised, Jake, because you're absolutely right. I've noticed that fat shaming, particularly of women, is something that you do often. But coming from the family that you come from and obviously the public persona of your mother at the peak of her fame, does it – Seem like a contradiction to you? No, not not really. No, I I think I mean in private.
1: You know, me and my mom, we we live together now. We we get along really well. We we make fat women jokes all the time. And in my family, you know, you have to understand every family has their own culture. If you were to come sit at dinner with me and my sisters, who you know have have weight issues, I mean, one of my sisters had her stomach stapled because she was you know over two hundred pounds in high school. We sit around and call each other fat uh, uh, the way other people call their sisters and brothers like friend or, or honey or whatever, whatever term of endearment. It's a term of endearment in my family. I'm overweight currently. Um, I don't know if you follow my Instagram, but my wife just bought me a, a cameo from one of my favorite Instagram accounts. And he's, she wrote it for him, Dan Henschel. And he basically says, you're fat and bald and in a loveless marriage, happy Valentine's day from your wife, Hannah. And that's just the way we are. I called cancel culture out before it even existed in my old podcast, because I saw these weren't people that could take a joke. These, and not only could they not take a joke, but they would go out of their way to ruin your life over a joke. And to me, that is far more offensive than an offensive joke. So I, I, you know, I get off on upsetting those people. And I know that a lot of people look at me and go, well, that's really juvenile. And maybe it is, but
0: between you and I, I think I'm a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm doing God's work. I really do. Is it true that your mother fired you from the family business more than five times? I never have officially been fired. One time I quit,
1: because um, we used to have a studio, and one time I did quit. And I, she, my mother is, like, even though we've had contentious past, my mother is the most generous, wonderful person, like, in reality. So she gave me a year's salary, even though I quit out of anger. She still paid me for a year. And then I just sat on a couch for a year and complained about, you know, not being able to find a job. I was basically like an American Democrat. And then at the end of the year, cause I never looked for work and ran out of my money. I begged for my job back and she let me have my job back at a reduced salary. And it took 15 years of work to get my salary back to where it is and where it was when I was 19 years old. So, wow. Um, but that was my fault. I'm not mad at her, and just like the podcast, even though I was mad at the time, um, I think she made the right call. And I'll tell you now, her and I doing this podcast together has been wonderful for our relationship. And now she's up there, you know, fat shaming women with me, and
0: it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful, happy ending.
1: <laughs> I was going to
0: say, yeah, pot kettle, all of that. So yeah. tell us, Jake, that incident with your mother where she, rightly or wrongly, in public. On your podcast pulls rank and tells you that you need to choose between the family business or your podcast. What does it tell us about your relationship, the mother and son relationship that you have?
1: Well, I mean, anytime anybody works for a family, it's you get those murky lines, like it's not a a classic structure of, you know, a boss and employee. There's there's all sorts of gray lines there, you know and when she first suggested that i quit the podcast you know i was very upset i actually reached out to uh, an attorney cuz i felt that my first amendment rights were being violated and i called attorneys and they said no you have a if you work for an employer even if you're doing stuff that is your right to speak they have the they have the absolute right to fire you unless it's you know for religion and i can't remember there was some ex- exemption, but you know, You con- taught
0: me a lot about you as a listener, Jake. Sorry to interrupt, but no, as soon as you as soon as you started that farewell show, before your mother called in, which I don't know if you expected or not, but you were talking about why you couldn't carry on. And as I was listening to it, and don't forget, I'm a working Joe. I'm a clock yeah. in, clock out. Always have been worked since I've been 14 years old. And when I was listening to you seemingly not comprehending that you can't go out and say whatever the hell you want it doesn't matter if it's related to your employment or not that's something that johnny clock on clock off like me know very well it just made me think Hmm, that's interesting it gives me a bit of insight so jake i want to talk to you a bit more soon about how you as a man forge your own identity when you're under the shadow of celebrities so to speak but let's just do a quick recap you have this incredible argument with your mother, which spills out into the public domain. She contends she has every right to fire you if you harm her brand. But let's skip forward, as you've already done, to 2018. Your mother finds herself on the absolute reverse end of that experience. She infamously, as you have told us, tweets whilst under the influence of Ambion, and it was a (laughs) tweet that caused offence. And the ABC network pretty much instantly fires her because they say her views are not consistent with their brand and could harm their business. Right. So I know it was a really hard time for your family, and you've already told us, you could see the irony in that, right?
1: Absolutely. And I'll tell you this, two things, because I want to go back to what you said about being a working Joe. Um, After I made that argument and called lawyers, I was very fortunate, although I did not enjoy it um to sort of get schooled in life from friends that were working Joe's, so to speak, that that told me that as much awesome.
0: You have friends that can tell you that?
1: Absolutely. And that's oh, the only friends that's bump. the only friends I have. And I'll tell you that that's, you know, I know you're probably not when we talk later on about growing up the son of a celebrity, I'll tell you one thing I've noticed the pattern of of, of children of famous people or wealthy people is they don't have those friends. <laughs> They're in insulated circles, and that's usually why they're assholes. Um, I, for whatever reason, realized that fairly young, and, and I have counsel. I have a counsel of people that are, are real, and those are the people I like the best. I hate and have absolutely rejected anyone in Hollywood as a friend. I have no friends in Hollywood. I never did. And yeah, they told me as much. Now, the only argument I wanted to make was that I did not think what I was doing should have resulted in me being fired because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> your mom didn't find it hilarious, and she's a very funny lady. She did not. And that was me. That's <laughs> why I was, when I look back at it now, that's why I was angry because she finds me hilarious now. And to me, comedy should be one of those things that's never touched. It should be like, you know what? This is its own animal. ABC had every right to fire her from the show. I never contended otherwise. She never contended otherwise. The issue wasn't the firing. The issue was that they did not allow her to tell her side of the story. And before they fired her in the boardroom, and this is what I'm pissed about, they told her she could go on all the ABC shows, which is owned by Disney and basically every TV show, The View, you name it, is under that umbrella. And they told her she could go on and tell her side of the story. And then they blacklisted her. And then the next thing was they forced her under duress to sign away her rights from that show was created by her about her and they stole her life's work and created a spinoff called the Connors where they killed her character and they're still making money off her family which is based off my family to this day so one thing i want to say to anybody out there listening, is a lot of times they talk about cancel culture and I see comics get in trouble and they're like, ooh, I'm part of cancel culture. And you know what? They're not. They've never been canceled. Nobody's ever been canceled but my mother. And on top of that, not only was she canceled, her name was destroyed. She never,
0: ever was able to tell her side of the story. And then on top of it, they stole her life's work. So most people listening to this podcast, Jake, would be really aware of the experiences that your mother uh, went through. And the one thing that comes across when you work with your mother to me is how protective you are of her. So I want to ask a little bit less about the incident and a little bit more about what that incident was like for you, for Jake personally, when your mother was kicked to the curb, because let's face it, she was, there's no other way of reading that, when she was fired from her own show. And as you say, I don't know if the word is forced, I heard you use the word coerce, but she had to, she signed away the rights to her own piece of art. How was it for you as her son? Um, well,
1: that's a great question. And you know what? No one has ever asked me that. And, and I find that odd. So thank you. Cause I, I should have been asked that from day one, day one. Um, and then when you factor in the fact that I was like what you started this interview off with that I, and in my own way was canceled by her, so, to speak, um, I have a very interesting perspective on this. And also, I, I don't, I mean, all my online accounts have been banned over the years. So, there's not really a paper trail of me, but this is something I've been fighting since the 90s, since I was in high school, this politically correct movement. So, I'll tell you this the weirdest part for me was that it, all it did was verify every fear I had about the way the world was going, the people in charge the evilness of the quote-unquote politically correct movement and how evil deeds are cloaked in good deeds and these people that i absolutely despise and have for a long time to see them do so much damage to the world as someone that's always been attuned to it to see it happen literally in my house was shocking the sense of i didn't think it would ever get To me, I was always talking in terms of, hey, if these people go unchecked, you know, they're gonna destroy governments. They're gonna over, you know, like, I never thought it was actually gonna come to my literal mother. (laughs) And in some way, the other way, is I wasn't shocked because of who my mother was and what she stood for is the complete antithesis to what these people and who I'm referring to are the evil cabal of left-wing psychopaths is that my mom has always been someone who's stood up for the working class. She's always stood up for the voiceless people. That's never changed. And she has always paid a heavy price for doing so, because the one thing the elites hate more than anything are individuals that work their asses off. They absolutely despise those people.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but I I recall at the time my son wasn't an adult yet. And when that tweet went out and he knew I loved Roseanne and she was cancelled and he said to me, but dad... What she said, that's not okay. And I went, Megs, I don't know what's... But this was before the explanations were a- available. I said, I don't know where it's come from. I can only tell you that show that I watched was written by somebody who is was so far ahead of her time in terms of the rights of African-Americans, gay people, marginalized people, the working class. I said, it doesn't come from a place of hate. I can tell you that. Stand by. Let's find out what it was all about. And then, of course... The context was everything, but the context came too late. As I understand it, Jake, there were only two forms of response from her celebrity castmates. It was either conspicuous silence mm-hmm. from the likes of John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf, or full frontal attacks from the likes of Sarah Gilbert yeah. and Michael Fishman.
1: And uh, again, thank you for saying that. So I do, I do want to finish the last point you made. And then I'll, I'll, and I won't, I won't be so verbose, but. Yeah, the, the most twisted part wasn't the firing, even losing the show or signing away the rights, because part of me didn't want her to really be in Hollywood. I wanted her to get out. You know, oh. her life is so much better now, and that's a fact. Uh, those people are not good people to be around. But the fact that this is a woman who has paid such a heavy price for 40 years in the public eye for defending African-Americans, the gay community, the most liberal of liberals, the the most idealistic person I've ever met, the most good intended human being. This is why I'm so protected of her. For that to be the way they paint her is beyond insult to injury. It's disgusting. If they wanted to fire her because she couldn't control her tweets and she was offensive, that would have been fine with all of us. She would have, you know, been fired. She can't handle her tweets. You know, we try to take her Twitter away. She's like me. She likes to piss people off. But the price she paid, uh, does not match the crime and 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 furthermore it's the exact opposite of who she is and what she's done for this country and that's what i'm trying to tell you the the, the people that we don't like those are the people she stood up for and they turned their back on her in an yep. instant when they felt like they could and that's evil and furthermore the cast was like that michael fishman was a friend of mine he actually was employed by my mother in the studio. He couldn't get work because, as you know, he is the single most—or I'm sorry—the single least talented actor that ever lived. I mean, there's guys in pornos um, that could teach an acting class <laughs> better than that. Laugh at Michael Fishman. He is terrible, and we all knew it. We never wanted to say it to him because he was my friend. I would—I al- even tried to write a movie for him. Like, hey, no, we're going to get you back in the yeah. acting world uh, because I liked him. Um, but the truth was my mom was employing him because he couldn't pay his
0: bills because no one would hire him to act. I, I've got things to ask you about Michael Fishman. Can I just, let's start off yeah, with sorry. what he wrote. Okay. So he yeah, I'm uh, get almost immediately after this tweet and your mother being fired, he wrote, and by the way, he issued a statement and called it that, which I found a little bit
1: hilarious, strange.
0: Uh, sounds a little bit highbrow of me, but it contained quite a few spelling errors too. He wrote, (laughs) I condemn these statements vehemently. They are reprehensible and intolerable, contradicting my beliefs and outlook on life and society. I've also lived and taught my children to be inclusive. I believe our shows strive to embrace different backgrounds and opinions through open dialogue. While I'm going to miss being part of the ABC family, I believe that to sit back or remain silent in an attempt to distance myself from the actions of or statements of others would unintentionally endorse or placate those statements, which I find truly offensive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was really, really, uh, disgusting because he knew, he knew her, you know, he, he knows who she was. And I'll tell you when I was going through that podcast firing that you brought up and I was angry at my mom, Michael was my friend. And I confided in many times about how mad I was that my mom was doing this to me and woe is me. And he defended her. He said she was the most inclusive, wonderful person. He told me that when, when their child actors were around teachers, my mom would stay on the set and watch the teachers because she knew what was going on in Hollywood. And that when he was a kid, he was never out of her sight. That she was like a second mom to him. This is, this is what he told me for 20 years. Um, and there were times where I even would joke, man, you like my mom more than I do. And uh, then the tweet happened, and he wrote that. And, And uh, I mean, I've never talked to him again. I, I say it every time, everywhere I go, if I ever see him, I'm going to sock him in the fucking face and I will, that is a promise. And, uh, he said racist things on a podcast, um, that people had found and they wanted to air it and asked me, you know, to be on the show. And I, and I told him not to, because I didn't want to see everybody get canceled because I don't believe in cancellation, even people I don't like. And he reached out to me and told me to do everything in my power to keep that clip from ever being aired, and I told him
0: I would, even after, even after. Well, it was a clip of him, him saying racist things. Well,
1: that's, that's up to a listener's interpretation. I don't, I didn't think it was, but I know that there was a black woman that was on the, the show that was offended, and he was talking about Katrina. And I don't remember what it was, but she was very mad. And she wanted to expose him. And it was like, I, I was the guy that stood up and said, enough, like, we got to stop and this and cancel it. Oh, he totally panicked. And you know what he said to me? Sorry. He said to me, he goes, you, I know what you're doing. You want me to feel what your mom felt. And I said, I'm not. And first of all, I wasn't even behind it. I had the one that stopped it. I, I got contacted from other people. And, uh, you know, I just saw him for who he was. And it was really shocking. And and I can imagine what it was like for my mom. You know, these people she knew for 20 or 30 years. And uh, they just took this moment to try and, you know, strengthen their career and blasted her.
0: Like, it's disgusting. It's shocking, really when michael was on a podcast recently he mentioned that the general public don't know the full extent of your mother's onset awfulness and then he said there was a lot more that he could say but that he was choosing to take the high road and not <laughs> yeah. say it
1: right i didn't i didn't know that that's hilarious i don't even have a comment for it i mean mm-hmm. my mother was notorious for having a bad temper but it's all documented i mean they there's nobody that didn't know that people got fired on that show.
0: She's not a perfect person, right? Because no. I've spoken to writers on this podcast yeah. that have told me that when particularly your mom was with Tom Arnold, writers weren't known by their names. They were known by a number.
1: Yes, that is 100% true. My mom's even talked about it in books. I mean, she, she thinks it's hilarious. I do too, to be honest. But a lot of things my mom does are are... You know, the the thing about my mom, someone said it, that her her comedy is pathological. I think it was Michael Malice, a friend of ours. (laughs) And I think that really just sums it up. Like, she she can't stop it. She can't turn it off. doesn't matter what goes on around her. doesn't matter who's offended. Or it just, she can't stop it. And everything's funny to her. But for, for Fishman to try and paint it like she was some tyrant, uh, that he's keep, you know, he's keeping at bay with some secret. It's bullshit. Everybody knows it. She knows it. She talks about it. The writers talk about it. It's, it's the always lowest ground
0: you can take to imply that you know some mountain exactly. of knowledge. Because it, then, it, what does it do? It gets people to speculate and make up their own narrative. I've got to say, sticking with Michael for a moment, I, I personally believe that he is a very dangerous little man. Jake, do you mind me just telling you a little bit why I've drawn that conclusion? No, but I love it already. <laughs> I'm I'm very disturbed. He he has anointed himself as a therapist and somewhat oh, of a church pastor-like figure.
1: Oh my god! He is
0: dangerously moralistic, and for quite some time, he was doing these live streams on Instagram where he oh, was god. dispensing this unqualified advice to really vulnerable people who'd link mm-hmm. into his broadcasts. He was so vastly out of his depth, and he didn't seem to have any concept of all, at all about the risks of what he was doing when he was talking to these highly vulnerable people.
1: That's really sad and hilarious.
0: And I'll go a step further. I actually believe he is the classic example of that well-intended woke cult yes. member. He, his intentions are good. I have no doubt. When I listen to him speak, he, he believes what he's saying, but he starts every sentence with phrases like, what the world doesn't seem to realize is, or what most people don't know is, or what people need to learn about is, (laughs) and I'm thinking he has this powerfully negative default status where he genuinely believes that all people, all people, with the exception of him, of course, are unenlightened, unaware, and he's made it his absolute life mission now to impart his alleged wisdom to anyone who is unfortunate enough to come within (laughs) his orbit he's not a listener jake he doesn't listen he just engages his mouth and he doesn't open his ears the guests on the show that he's doing now he doesn't even see it their eyes are startled what is this lunatic talking about
1: (laughs) this this sounds like the greatest show i'm gonna go watch it this sound you're like are do you work for michael fisherman because i'm sold (laughs) <laughs> this is this is high level entertainment. You, you know, like so looking I, at roadkill, don't you? You're yeah, back I business. do. <laughs> I do. I really do. I mean I'm 4chan a lot of the time and the yeah. the things I can handle, but no, he he is a dangerous little man. And I'll tell you, he's he's a Republican too. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, maybe he changed over the years, but when we used to talk, he was definitely more conservative than me, because I used to be He seems be
0: intensely a... angry to me. Intensely angry. Well, I think with a v- veneer of this compassion.
1: Do you want to know what it is? I'll tell you what it really is, because there is that woke culture, and and there is that sort of mind control on that side of things, which which Mm. I can go off for hours, but really, it's just self-serving, and Hollywood, you know, it's like things don't get more sophisticated in life than high school, right? So Hollywood is the cool kids, you know. It's the jocks and, and the cheerleaders, and the rest of us are the nerds and dweebs and whatnot, and in order to be popular, just like in high school, you have to do things that the popular kids like, and if you don't, you're going to be outcast as a nerd, and you know, be a nobody. So what what happens is a lot of people in Hollywood, straight out, I've talked to them, are conservatives, but they know they cannot say it because they say it, they will be outcast. So there, it's just like in any movie you grew up in, any high school theme movie you grew up in, where like, you know, I can name a thousand of them, but where the guy is like has that moment where he. You know, he he could be the good guy and stand up for the nerd. And then he just, you know, punches the nerd one last time. And he's like, sorry, I have to, that moment, that crisis, that's Hollywood. They, they never really step up and go, you know what? Maybe I was a dick to you, nerd. Maybe I should be your friend. Maybe I shouldn't do this to be cool. But they don't. They literally will kick you in the face, as Fishman did. They'll make statements about your career. They'll steal your life's work. They'll do anything to stay in the popular club. And it's disgusting. And it's forget the child sex and and the murdering people that they do. Just that alone is is reprehensible to me. I hope that's the right word. So Fishman, you know, he saw it. He saw an opportunity. He knew he was going down. He knew he'd always defended her. He knew he was a conservative. He knew he wouldn't work without her. And he thought, you know what? I'm going to get me a black girlfriend, and I'm going to write this statement, and I'll work in Hollywood. And that's what he did.
0: He was dropped from the cast of The Conners. Not yes. well, so many years later. What was all that about?
1: It, well, he's the worst actor of all time. So what happened was people were watching the Connors. I don't know who does that, but some people do. And they couldn't stand it because he's you know, he's the worst actor of all time. So they fired him. And I thought it was hilarious when he got fired. I definitely Instagrammed it. But
0: it's not well, really. Well, they tried that to move raw. him first, is what I was told. They tried to move him behind the scenes first. Oh yeah. But it was he's was too intense. Direct. Too intense. He did direct a few episodes, as I understand it, but yeah, it was too that's intense. Hilarious. Too intense. Yeah. Well, you know,
1: I'm sure he'll land on yeah. his feet. He's and as, t- a
0: long-term, <laughs> as a long term, as a long term viewer of the show, there was basically look. And I hate to call myself a writer because I'm not, but I love writing. And as someone watching that show, Roseanne, there's basically only one way the writers ever handled the character of DJ. They gave him no more than two lines at a time, and then they would always, you watch it back, fans who are listening to this, go back and watch Roseanne and try to find a scene where DJ doesn't run off the set after delivering his one or two lines or is completely moved out of the scene. The rest of them stay there. When DJ comes, line, line, run out of the scene. And I thought that that can't be a coincidence. No,
1: my mom did that. My mom was behind that, and she was very protective of him because they, they wanted to fire him a long time ago. Really, uh, there was originally another kid that was cast, and mom didn't think uh, he looked enough like her. So Michael was hired by my mom specifically because he looked like her. She thought he was cute, and then he never grew any acting chops. So they were trying to get rid of him back in the day. My mom stepped in and said, "You know, let's work it out." Called one of the writers by a number and did it and wrote it that way, so Fishman could do it. They wrote the masturbation episode, which is one of the best. Yeah, Um, but I think he has three lines in that whole episode, and um, and then of course didn't want to kiss the black girl, and my mom wrote that. You know, was heavily involved in that episode about we're not racist white trash. One of my favorite lines, which is how we really are in real life. It's yeah.
0: such a good line, isn't it? It just it's the it best. makes me smile even listening to it now. Yeah, No, it's yeah.
1: the best. And I think one moment, um, and this is a little self-serving, but I loved it. And I wish that my mom didn't get high and go on Joe Rogan when she was defending it. But we did the Rogan podcast shortly after. He, he said, you know, you deserve a chance to speak since ABC's like shut you out. And we went there. We went to the studio and we were walking. And in Rogan's studio... He has, you know, it's this great big boy's garage. It's awesome. There's gyms and all sorts of fun toys. But there's, there's uh, famous celebrities that have been arrested or famous people that have been arrested, mugshots. Yeah. And he's like, there's Frank Sinatra. And, no, and we were walking while we were getting ready for the show. And we walked by one and he's like, he tried to skip it. And I was like, that's Rosa Parks. And he looked at me and he's like, oh my God, no one has ever known who that was. Wow. And I said to him, I'm Roseanne Barr's son. Of course I know who Rosa Parks is. And he was floored. He almost started crying. And he said, that's exactly what I thought. This is why I give your mom a voice. Um, there's no way she's a racist. I know her career. I know her history. And I said, of course not. Uh, and we walked in the studio. And then, you know, my mom got high and never mentioned it. And he tried. There's one point where he brings it up. He's like, your son was outside. And mm-hmm. she interrupted. But to me, I didn't know that was there. I wasn't, I wasn't doing an agenda. I know Rosa Parks because my mom's a goddamn civil rights activist. I grew up the son of a socialist, liberal, civil rights activist who did more for the black community, for the female community, and for the gay community than 99% of this planet. And, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting
0: emotional, but it's disgusting what they did to her. It, it, it's, it's tragic. <laughs> I can only talk about what I saw on the show but what she did was so brilliant because she didn't make it a big issue she normalized African American characters for example mm-hmm. and she didn't put a big spotlight and go we're bringing this character in because we're going to highlight this issue of that they were just there she yeah. normalized it and I just I I learned so much through that show and and it enlightened me as a person what about Sarah Gilbert that must have been a surprise when Sarah Gilbert publicly a very respected member of the show Mm
1: -hmm. and she
0: wrote Roseanne's recent comments about Valerie Jarrett and so much more which by the way I find that little extra bit very interesting Roseanne's recent comments about Valerie Jarrett and so much more are abhorrent and do not reflect the beliefs of our cast and crew or anyone associated with our show I am disappointed in her actions to say the least That
1: one was, she also called her a cast, one of the cast members, she said. At one point, I remember that really upset my mom, uh, rightfully so. My mom was not a cast member. It was her fucking show. Yeah. Uh, Which tells you a lot about the mind of Sarah Gilbert. Now, what a lot of people don't know is Sarah Gilbert, um, when this reboot was being talked about, my mom reached out to Sarah and said, you know, I can't deal with the executives again. I'm too old. I'll die. They're too stupid. Um, I'm not going to fight every day of my life like I did before. So I will only do the show if, if you or somebody else becomes the executive producer and I just want to be in the writer's room. I just want to show up and do my lines. I do not want to be involved in any of the drama behind the scenes. So Sarah was named executive producer for that reason. Now, Sarah's, Sarah could claim she has a successful career as an executive producer because of the show, The Talk. Um. But to me, to be an executive, I'm sorry, to be considered a successful executive producer, you should have to produce something that isn't a complete and total ripoff of something else. But I'm old school. And now I see Sarah's pattern as she looks at a show like The View and goes, oh, I'm going to change one word, and now it's my show. (laughs) And she apparently did that with Roseanne, and now it's the Connors. That seems to be her parasitic approach. So she was the executive producer, and, you know, she wanted the show it became very very clear and when this tweet thing happened it was her moment to kick the person that was in the way of her having another quote-unquote successful show which is the conners which she is also an executive producer on so she basically is the person behind stealing from my mom and i think it was intentional and i'll tell you this i know it sounds so funny um but what she means by and other things is code it's the same thing when wanda sykes walked off the show after the tweet she said a similar thing um about culture what they're what they're saying is that roseanne supported donald trump
0: your, your mom was toxic the moment she supported donald trump right
1: right so you know if my mom was so horrible on set right like michael fishman said or whatever why would they do a reboot why would they have her back why would they do why would they be writer's rooms why would michael defend her for 15 years to me personally off record why would they all go there and i was in the first table read and they were talking about how great it was to be together and goodman and her were hugging friends i talked to these people everyone got along there was no one no one that said oh god you know hide from Roseanne there was none of that vibe everyone liked her she was friends with the cast i mean drew Auger is a guy out there who's a writer he, he, i think he produces on jimmy kimmel show or did at one point he was started out as a um a prop guy that my mom elevated a writer she was friends with the the lowest and i don't mean lowest like human but lowest on the totem pole of work she gave promotions throughout there were people literally that started out banging hammers that were producers on television because of her and she never ever treated anyone different, right? So this is the culture, right? So when they come back and they do a reboot, if my mom was so terrible, why would they do it, right? And if you say it's because of money, well, that's been disproven because they're losing millions of dollars from firing her from the show. The numbers aren't, Connors does not make nearly what Roseanne and the reboot made. So it isn't about
0: money. Can I be devil's advocate just for of one course. minute? So your, if your mom was respected on the set, is why wouldn't, high-profile people like John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf come out and say, uh, we don't agree with the tweet, but trust us, she is not that person that she's been painted as by the media at the moment. Why? That's suspicious to me. It makes me think that there must be something going on behind the scenes. Well,
1: the- I'm telling you what it is. So yeah.
0: this
1: is this is what happened. She. What I was trying to say with if she was so horrible, why would they have her back? What I mean was... She definitely had erratic behavior the first time, right? But it was okay. The show was doing well. They figured out how to work it. She was calling the writers' numbers. Tom was there. They made it work. In fact, when Tom came, it, it the show actually got stronger, as much as I hate to admit it, because I hate that guy. Um, I think he came on the second season till like, the sixth, what most people consider the, the golden seasons of that show. Tom was yep. in charge. Um, what happened was on the reboot when she came back and she was much less involved in any of the drama was that she then became toxic. And I'll tell you what was different. Well, there's only one thing that was different and that's that she was now a Trump supporter. And it's that simple. And I, I've been saying this for years and I know that I get kind of, I'm not saying you're doing it, but a lot of people do kind of an eye roll like it can't be that simple. But it, but it is because if my mom was a Hillary Clinton supporter, that tweet, she wouldn't have been fired. She would have apologized on the view. She would have said, I'm absolutely sorry for my, whatever I said, I wasn't thinking, you know, and she would have been back on.
0: If I accept your version of events, though, Mm -hmm. that would have to, it can't add up to anything other than John Goodman, Laurie Metcalf being extremely shallow people. You can say that, but in their
1: defense, this this isn't just the Roseanne set that was ostracizing someone for simply being a Trump supporter. If if you look at American politics, that is the landscape. They're trying to put Trump in jail. So this move to ostracize people that support Trump is bigger than the Roseanne show. It is the national landscape of America and it's vicious and vile. Mm -hmm. So if you're John Goodman and you're Lori Metcalf, do you do you speak out and defend Roseanne Barr if it's going to put you in the crosshairs of the Biden department of justice hollywood everybody that hates trump there is a there's these people are vile and vicious and their hatred for trump in fact we have a term here i don't know if you have it there it's called trump derangement syndrome but what what they wanted to do is go no roseanne is not racist but then they would be racist and in fact if you if you don't accept my premise then you're no offense you're naive because goodman did say that at one point, and they tried to cancel him on Twitter for mm-hmm. twenty four hours. He was another white racist that was as horrible as Rosanna needs to be canceled. So
0: I don't. Did they blame reach out her. to her on a private level at least?
1: Uh, not that I know of. Um, I know that Sarah said she called my mom, but I never. My mom never saw it ring. I know that my mom left her a voicemail. Um,
0: I heard that the voicemail know, said words to the effect of, "If you ever fucking use my name again, you'll be sorry."
1: And, and, and I think that was nice of my mom because I would have been much, much worse, but yeah, you know, yeah. uh, no, they didn't reach out, but you know what? They couldn't, uh, I, you know, I'm only mad at Sarah and Michael Fishman. I'm not mad at Goodman or Metcalf. I'm disappointed. So my mom famously said, when this happened, you she said it in a video. I don't know where it is. Hopefully you can find it, but she said, you stupid idiots. They're not going to stop at me. They're not going to stop at Trump supporters they're not going to stop. And eventually, they're going to come for you. And it's already happening. And that's why I tell you that foot started this interview was I said I will always fat shame women. I will always be offensive. Because if I feel like for one second I self-edit or I go, hey, that's not nice. Six months later, I'm in a, I'm in a fucking prison camp. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I think. And maybe I'm crazy, but I, 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 I don't know. I would, if, I'll put it this way. If if I would have told you the landscape of America, if somebody would go back in time six years ago and tell you what our politics and our landscape would be like now, and Roseanne would be a racist, if I told, if anyone told you this, no one would believe you.
0: And yet here we are. Let's segue. A, a lot of children, Jake, they grow up being raised by a parent who is experiencing mental health issues. A lot of children do. In your case, you were raised by a mother who was brave enough to publicly talk about her challenges with mental health. And she was fairly explicit at the peak of her fame in describing a diagnosis of dissociative personality disorder. Many listeners might know it as multiple personality disorder. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you being raised by a mother who was so openly, so courageously addressing mental health issues?
1: Um, It it was hard, you know. Um, She she also has... um, tbi i mean she was hit by a car at 16 she, she she had brain damage and it's traumatic brain injury so you know that's the other thing that pisses me off about all this cancel culture stuff is they talk about my mom's tweets being out there and wacky and the need to fire her from abc but it's like how did you not know i mean she's been crazy since she was 16 years old <laughs> you know what i mean she's pretty open about it and uh you know anyway i digress she it it's hard you know my mom she um She's an amazing woman. I'm her biggest fan. I love her to death, but you don't know, no, sometimes she's batshit crazy. And sometimes she drives me absolutely crazy, like I think any kid and his mom. But she's not vindictive, and her intent is never harmful. She wouldn't hurt a fly. She's the best grandma. I'm going to get emotional again. I have, I have a daughter, they're best friends. And, you know, so she's a little nutty. She she you know she she reads articles on the internet that are I think are absurd that she tends to believe and she said things that pissed a few people off but there isn't a bad bone in that woman's body and uh, I I will never stop defending her
0: i take you back to when you were a boy though mm-hmm. and your mom was talking about the mental health issues were they manifesting on the home front were they noticeable to you and your siblings
1: Yeah of course um you know, and my family, you know, we, I mean, there's a sitcom based off us, you know what I mean? <laughs> <So> <laughs> we were, we were not normal. Um, certainly dysfunctional. Um, uh, my sisters were in between them, 21 different, uh, teen facilities, uh, you know, hospitalized. Um, you know, we had pretty v- public, you know, the, my parents' divorce was pretty brutal publicly. Uh, the tom marriage was was pretty brutal, so you know this was all happening uh in the public eye as well, but yeah, no it was it was you know i I would come home from school, i remember and and uh you know sometimes it was it was hard for me. It was like you know there were people in the house I didn't like, yeah i didn't I never liked Tom, for instance, I thought Tom was a sociopath, I hated him from day one. Um, they were married, I think four or five years. He was the worst stepfather ever. Um, that was the way it manifested. Cause you know, if my mother, I think if she were, you know, not disassociative, she would have seen it sooner. Um, and unfortunately it took her longer than it took me to realize he was, you know, a, a terrible person. Uh, and of course that has an effect on me. I was there, you know, I was there from like 11 to 16 in the house with them. And I remember coming home from school and uh, I remember going to my room and closing the door quietly because I didn't want them to know I was home sometimes, you know, because it it got ugly. And, you know,
0: it it wasn't always fun. Does having a celebrity parent and all the trappings that we assume come along with that, like wealth and becoming part of a family business or possibly even an empire, has it in the past and does it now make it really difficult for Jake, for you, to find and forge your own identity
1: as a man. Uh yeah. 100%. I mean, well you've already seen I tried to podcast before. <laughs> and uh that didn't go well. And now even even the podcast now, I mean it's doing very well. It's it's uh it's doing very well and uh I love it. A lot of people love it, but you know, it's always going to be Jake, you know, Roseanne's son. It's always going to be that. It doesn't matter. I could say the most profound thing. And, uh, you know, next week it's like, oh, there's Jigson, There's Roseanne's son. He's like the producer, or he does the lights or camera or something. And so it's a little weird. And I'll tell you what, I'm not complaining because I wouldn't be on the show
0: if it was me myself, right? So I'll, I'll try to put myself in your shoes and I'll be wrestling with this allure of what is easy for you to grasp onto, whatever's on offer within the family, because there's lots of opportunities there. Have you ever wanted to just go out and hold down an independent job? A typical full-time job that wasn't connected to your family?
1: Yeah, I, I have done that. I uh, That's all I wanted when, when I was really eight, 18. Yeah, I dropped out of college and uh, I begged my mom to help me get a, uh, a, f- a free internship. I got an internship at CBS Television. They weren't paying me, but what they helped because of my connections was they considered me still a college student so I could be an intern. Even though i dropped out so on that sense i used my connections to get a job that didn't pay me but once i got that internship i turned it into a full-time independent job and was very successful very young um i quit that job to come work for her uh because she had a studio in in and else she was doing with her husband at the time and i thought i could come in and and turn it around because i was you know i was a young hotshot you know i was a post-production supervisor at this really successful company i was 21 years old, you know, by the time I was making really good money, especially for back then, it'd be, you know, it, I would be in, doing very well today. But uh, I saw my mom struggling at the studio, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go there and help her. And, uh, you know, I've been there 25 years since that day. Um, but no, to answer your question, no, uh, I love my job, especially these last couple years. Um, my my, Hannah my fiance I call her my wife it's not legal yet but her and I live with my mom travel with my mom i'm in hawaii now with my mom we do the podcast we do all the work we're helping her get her life organized her finances in control and it's it's the most satisfying job of all time because here, here's the thing that people don't know somebody would be doing this job right somebody's got to do her bookkeeping and managing and the, and, and nobody loves her like I do, and nobody trusts her like I do, and she doesn't trust anyone like she trusts me, so to do this job is a win-win for both of us. And I'm sure on the outside you could look at her and go, oh, he's working for his mom, he could do something more, but what's more important than family, and especially the stuff I'm doing now? You know, we, we fired, I, I don't want to get legally in trouble, but I've gotten rid of people that were potentially committing fraud.
0: And stealing. Do you have a a title?
1: No, I don't. It changes. It changes. That's
0: why I I mean, literally, I'm I'm Jack of all trades. So you do everything. You look after property. Yeah, you heard me. I mean, we had a water leak when you called me.
1: Um, (laughs) it's property management. It's career management. It's social media management. It's podcast. It's, uh, you know, I'm I'm I've hired an accounting firm and a business managing firm that I oversee. Um, you know, we're helping you know, down to tax code, down to, yeah, it's, I mean, literally, I'm, a busy I I'm, I'm functioning like, it's going to sound really Oedipal and disturbing, but I'm functioning as like a husband, basically. I'm my mother's husband. <laughs> and manager. And manager. And manager, yeah. So she had, a, okay, I'll tell you this story. This is a story, but I'm going to tell you that's, I think I've told a few people, but I think it's really important, and I I don't want to badmouth anybody, but when the tweet happened, right, I woke up that morning. I didn't have the job now that I have, and I saw the tweet going crazy, and I was like, oh, shit. Well, I'm Jake. I had a podcast. I've been fired by my mother. Like, I'm known as already being a racist psychopath, right? Let me take the hit. And I called my mom, and I said, just say that I hacked your Twitter. Wow. And – uh Wow. And she's like, are you sure you do that for me? And I said, of course. (coughs) Um, Of course. So we called her manager. And he said to me, now we're going to go with Ambien. And uh, he's been fired. And now I have his job. And it's a little late. uh, But things would be very different had I had that role back then. So that's what I do.
0: History would have taken a very different course, maybe.
1: Yeah, if, it if would.
0: The tweet had been owned by you.
1: Yeah, I mean, what? what I
0: told him. I said, "What are you going What are people going to do? Fire me? I work for my mom.
1: I'm cancel proof." <laughs>
0: yeah. So Actually, you know, it's quite ingenious, Jake. I've got to say, you're a bloody good manager.
1: <laughs> I am. I'm the best.
0: And that's another. I am. I mean, I tell you, her her Twitter
1: account's gained five hundred thousand followers in the six months that I've been helping her curate it. Uh, so and it went from you know destroying her career to now she's got one of the best accounts. And this is to answer your question. This is where I'm going to get a little self-serving and egotistical. What it's like to be her son. Yeah, sometimes it's great I have all these opportunities. Other times it sucks because between you and I, I am much fucking smarter and more talented than anybody knows. And I have to work in the shadows and nobody sees it. And I think this podcast has been really good for me because even though I have, I'm not a co-host, like I'm on a side whatever. I think I'm, I'm You are I'm a co-host noticed. to me.
0: I'm a listener. Thank you. I'm a a i am I can actually make the call here. I listen to your show every week. I've listened to it for about seven or eight months. You are as important as your mother on that show. And thank if you. you're not called a co-host, I don't know who would be. You are an well, absolutely brilliant co-host. I thank love you. I'm gonna get into that soon. I, I love the way you steer that podcast.
1: Thank you. Well, that's what you just said. I'm hearing that more and more, and that's the first time I've ever heard that and that that's very satisfying because I feel like, yeah, there's always going to be a shadow, quote unquote, but I feel like it's dissipating. I feel like people are starting to kind of notice that I'm not a complete moron, at least. That's the starters. And then and then the next phase will be like, hey, he's kind of
0: intelligent. Well, <laughs> even your mom said when she called your podcast during that infamous farewell, uh, she said that she got... Very maternal. And she said, the reason I don't like your podcast, forget the racism, forget the fat shaming. I think you're (laughs) capable. I know you are capable of better, is what she said to you.
1: Yeah. And you know what? She was right. There there is a problem I struggle with a lot of time with lowbrow humor, because I do do understand that that is- that is, the you used to burp
0: on that show. you'd make oh, crude yeah. comments. I was constantly <laughs> turning my head going. Did he just say that? really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's embarrassing. I mean, I was younger, but you know my my nephews and my little brother, they still do that. You know my my wife's here now, and we're in Hawaii hanging out, and they're just burp and, and we're at restaurants. mom <laughs> burps at restaurants and I, and I'm like a totally different person. i'm like i, I I'm sorry for my family. You know, I'm much more refined these days, but um, no, I think, but you got to understand, you know, everyone talks about my mom, my dad, he's not a celebrity or anything, but he was very instrumental in her career early on. They were married for 16 years. My dad, Bill Pentland, brilliant writer. He even did stand up back in the day, never really made it at all, but he is even more uh, offensive than her. And so I grew up in a household where my mom and dad basically taught me <laughs> that the most important thing you can do is be offensive. Like, that is, like, we, I grew up listening to Pryor and Lenny Bruce. Like, it was, you know, yeah. my dad has since become left-wing and he's a shadow of himself. It makes me sad. He's, he doesn't, he doesn't say, he doesn't even make in, in proper jokes anymore. And he was the most offensive Uh. Comic of all time. I mean, the jokes my dad used to tell me in private, he would definitely get canceled, though, in five seconds. But that's how I grew up. So, you know, I look at it now like, yeah, lowbrow humor. I see on the outside how it just kind of looks so immature and stupid. And for the most part, it is. But there's a fine line there sometimes between stupid and genius. And
0: I haven't found it yet, but I know it's there. To go back to that point, though, like we all, every human being has to negotiate their own identity away from their family unit at some stage. That's what every, it's, it's a human experience. I think yours is interesting because it's so much different from what is typical. The public might see you as just the, the spoiled son of a celebrity. Yeah, Are you the spoiled son of a celebrity?
1: No, sir. I don't have a spoiled bone in my body. I wish that I was. I'll tell you that. I wish that I was because, you know, when we were talking earlier about having friends that work normal jobs, like I've definitely become, uh, I I identify with that more than the celebrity son, rich kid thing. Um, I now see, because I'll tell you this growing up, spoiled, I was. And I was totally spoiled and completely insulated, had no fucking idea. Like you said, in that last episode, I'm like, I should be able to say what I want. Um, I would have, I would have been so angry if anyone called me spoiled back then, but, but I was, but now that I, now that I'm not, I have to say, I get the jealousy. Cause I used to say when I was younger, Oh, they're just jealous. Cause you know, my family has money. Of course they are. Mm. And I am too, because to have, you know, it's hard out here and you're struggling and you're working. And I know people that's, that are paycheck to paycheck and sometimes worse. Um, yeah. Being a rich kid would be fucking awesome. You don't have to do shit. You don't have to work. Uh, But no, I can tell you I'm not. uh, In fact, I think I'm at the point now, objectively, where I I think I work as hard or harder than the average person.
0: Uh, Listening to you and getting the chance to have a conversation with you, I am getting a very strong sense that I'm talking to you at a very empowered point in your life. I've listened to you for quite a long time, I often thought you were very funny, very interesting, but quite lost. (laughs) Identity kept coming up for me. What's his identity? But I'm talking to you now, and I feel like I'm talking to you at a really exciting point. I feel like I'm talking to a a man who is coming to terms with who he is, and probably that is becoming a dad. Who is Jake Pentland? What is your identity?
1: You're you're a really uh, amazing interviewer. Um, A lot of it's uh, my wife, Hannah she's, she's, (laughs) she's right here. Um, she's been such a powerful impact of my life and, and yeah, being a dad, I think, and thank you for those kind words. It's, it's very true. This is, this is the, the best, the best state of my life, uh, by far. I've never been happier. I've never been more fulfilled. Um, I've never been closer to who I am and all those things that you said they're 100% true. And thank you for noticing that. That's, that's, that's really amazing. Thank you. <clears throat> My pleasure. I didn't Jake. think I was going to cry. Pleasure. You're like Barbara Walters, where she made everyone cry all the dang time. Oh, I'm not as vicious as Barbara. I hope. <laughs> no, you're not, you're good. <laughs> man. No, I think, you know what, you know what it was? Honestly, after the tweet, you know, I had friends, I should give uh, a shout out to a friend of mine. I, I don't talk to him as much anymore. I've been so busy, but a, a guy named Vince, we, we hired him. Uh, at the studio. And he's one of the guys I think about a lot because he, you know, when we hired him, he was living in a garage, basically homeless and the smartest person you ever met. I mean, his IQ was clocked in the, in the high one fifties, like a literal clinical genius. He had a very troubled upbringing and was lost along the way. And, um, he, he found his way through martial arts. He started training me in martial arts. We worked at the studio and he had a tremendous impact on my life because, I mean, he's as blue collar as it gets. And then when you factor in martial arts, you know, there's not a lot of bullshitting in martial arts. It's not like Michael Fishman who goes on those uh, shows and pontificates. This is someone that's like, you know, learning through pain. Truth is pain. Walking the walk. Walking the walk. And Michael Fishman actually came to some of the classes with me and Vince and Vince and him became friends for for a few years. And, um, you know, it was kind of a boot camp and it was like, after work, uh, we would do two hours, you know twice a week, and I'd basically just get my ass kicked, and it would it was hard life lessons, like like old-school dad stuff, and and he he's just a tremendous person, and uh, you know, he was the one that told me, you know, you're basically a crybaby uh, with the with the podcast, and that my podcast could be better. He wanted to help produce it i was I was too stubborn to let him help. I should have. He was a very, very brilliant researcher, but anyway, long story short. Uh, between Vince and my friends and Hannah, um, you know, I, I think I got an education and what it's like in the real world. And I was kind of taken out of the bubble of celebrity and the, and the, the trust fund bubble. And, uh, I just respect a hell out of the people that, you know, that work and, you know, my mom, uh, there's a parallel there because, you know, she, she's working class, she's blue collar and that's never changed. And even when she was making disgusting amounts of money and the most famous person in the world, whatever, like those roots have never changed. And even now in Hawaii, like there's no maid here. There's, we don't do that. My mom cleans the house by herself to this day. She's 72 years old, or she'll be 72 in November. And she cooks for us. She made us dinner last night. She's in an apron 24 seven. She's out pulling weeds. Like there's never been that Hollywood thing in my family. And, you know, maybe for years we we got lost in it. You know, the money's good, and you know it's very easy to get disassociative there. But you know, um, yeah. after her tweet, she was humbled, and and you know we've gotten closer, and we're away from that. I think I think it's for her; it's the happiest time for her
0: too. And we just work. Let's talk about the the podcast. It's the Rose yes. the Roseanne Barr podcast. It's very political. Yes, uh, And I definitely want to make sure that people know about the show, but can we just tap in just for a few minutes into your personal beliefs first? Is that okay, yes. Jay?
1: Of course. I love talking about myself.
0: Political correctness. Yes. Um, You've already, you've spoken about it quite a bit already, but what is going on with political correctness these days?
1: Well, I mean, this is a true story. I, uh, I was in high school and, uh, I can't remember what what got me into. Tr- I would got in trouble all the time, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> it's funny now, because I would actually be in jail now i i I had actually written a threatening letter to one of my teachers that I was going to kill her. Um, it was hilarious. and I meant it as a joke and and uh, I didn't get in trouble because they realized I was joking. But I'm just saying if someone did that today, my God, you would have an FBI file. But anyway, um, back in high school, you know I was always pushing the envelope because I'm Roseanne Barr's son and I noticed this turn. It was a really weird experience for me, and I went to a school that specialized in learning disabilities and ADD, and it was kind of this new way of teaching, and I, and I noticed this turn from, you know, sit down and listen to your teacher to watching teachers kind of have their power taken away, and the kids were kind of being empowered, and, and all the kids in my school were medicated, literally all but me, and so here I am, I'm giving you backstory for a reason. This isn't the 800, you know, AD Viking story, but just where I come from. <laughs> um, I started seeing like this medica- medicating of children, uh, and it was uh, my school. It was cutting edge. Now they do it everywhere, but at this point, it was only our special ed school, and all the other public schools, you know, were old school. But I was a liberal, I was a Democrat, but there just seemed to be this thing that I couldn't put my finger on, and it scared me. But I put it away, and I voted Democrat, and. I just figured it was this way it is. And then 2016 happened, and Hillary Clinton's emails get leaked. And basically see her working with the DNC to to screw Bernie over. Now, I was a Bernie bro, right? Definitely feel the burn. I know that might surprise you now, because everyone thinks I'm like this complete mm-hmm. Trump supporter, which I am now. But no, I was a left-wing Bernie bro. My mom was a Bernie bro. And these emails come out. And... So, long story short, it was at 2016 when I realized, hey, this like movement I've been seeing. And when I was podcasting, and you mentioned it a lot, like I was attacking the media and, and liberals and fat women, even as a Democrat, I was doing it. It clicked in 2016 that this is not the normal movement a country takes because pendulums swing, right? The 50s was more conservative, the 60s was more liberal. And Then the 80s were more conservative, right? There seems to be this pattern of politics, at least in America, I don't know how it is there, but I noticed that the pendulum wasn't swinging back and that there seemed to be something different, almost as if there was a a manipulation. So as my senses heightened, I started to kind of break away from mainstream narratives, I stopped watching anything mainstream in the news, and I started seeing that machine unveiled. And I guess what I'm getting at is that politically correct movement, well, that was just the start. That was a good intention. Then you know the saying, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. It became powerful and leveraged to the left to be victimized, to say they were victim, to say they were, you know, people of color and they started using this language. They found... Power. They found political power and they have become worse than any other people in power, sans the Nazis, because when it was politically correct in the 90s, it was like, hey, let's not be offensive. It hurts people's feelings. Let's stop the bullying movement, right? It was all this stuff at the same time. What it really was is, and this is my theory now, is it was a long sought out strategy to take away. Men, fathers, mothers, sane people. And it was a way to make everybody feel guilty and self censor and be quiet. When I was a Democrat in 2010 and the 90s, it was coming from the right wing. You'll remember when my mom did her show and did the gay kiss, they tried to pull sponsors and pull it off the air. That was Republicans. That was Christian right. They didn't want a gay kiss on TV.
0: Yeah.
1: So they tried to cancel my yeah. mom. Then she sang the national anthem, right? Well, that was disrespectful to America. That was the right wing. That was George Bush. He he called her a disgrace the next day on national television. So what happened and what I'm painting the picture for you is my politics haven't changed and neither has my mother's. The world has changed. And now the elitist people in power that are controlling everybody and subjugating, it's not the conservatives, it's not the white man, it's the liberals, it's the people of color, it's the LGBT they have all political capital, all power. And if you don't believe me, just look at who's getting canceled. Just look at who's getting law fared. Just look at who's getting put in jail. Look who has talk shows on TV. You know what I mean? So I see the the people in charge are the people that started the politically correct movement in the nineties and they, they need to be stopped.
0: Listen, you said on your podcast, Jake, that, and You've said it in this conversation as well, that you enjoy being offended because it starts a conversation. So I want to try to deliberately offend you, Jake.
1: Please do. It's never happened. So if am you, I allowed to give it a go? Anyone is allowed. And I- But you've I never cr- been offended? Never been offended. In fact, you ever watch those movies where like the evil villains, like, I just want to wear the opponent and they cry uh, and they're evil. That's me. I just want someone to offend me one time. Um,
0: all Americans are self-absorbed narcissists who wouldn't know the meaning of abroad without a dictionary.
1: That's hilarious and true.
0: I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that. It's just what many, many millions of people are saying behind your backs.
1: No, it's 100% true. And we say it here too. American people are, you know what you got to understand? This is another thing. I want, this is what we're trying to do with our podcast. is We are under, my, my mother, to her credit, talks about this every week. We are under heavy mind control here. I don't know what it is like. I can only speak for America, but we are blasted through social media, through television, through movies, through the quote-unquote news agencies on the cable. We are blasted and inundated with bullshit 24-7, so you can't really fault us.
0: I'm going to give you my little example. I interact with a lot of people on on the net, um, guests for this show and different forums and da-da-da-da-da. Whenever you speak to someone, one of the logical first things you ever ask is, where are you from? And they'll go Switzerland, France, Germany, New Zealand, Australia. There hasn't been a single time where I've interacted with an American person where they haven't written back PA, um, right. <laughs> Washington, this is um, true. Arizona, or That's AZ. What I <laughs> and it's like, and so even though I might know where those places are, because I've got a little bit of shit stirrer in me too, I always write back, oh, where's that? And in, invariably, they write back, "Don't you know right. <laughs> <laughs> the arrogance?"
1: Well, you know what? It's it's why I love this country, man. That you a lot of people, you know. All I ever hear here all the time is how horrible America is. It's all they're doing because that's part of the brainwash program to destroy it. But you know what? I'm proudly American and I'm proudly arrogant about it. Do I wish I had more knowledge on uh, 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 geographically? No because i'm american (laughs) i I don't i don't have to it's like someone's gonna tell me someone's like oh i'm from it well it's like like ukraine war you know everyone here's like that was that was a fun thing to do and it started like all these like ukraine flags you would say to other american like show me ukraine on a flag that was our fun argument for uh, us on the right nobody could do it but here's the thing none of us on the right could do it either i don't even know where ukraine is i don't care because i'm american (laughs)
0: <laughs> but the come on, Joe. You know what? what the hell is what the hell is going on over there, man? Your country is run by someone who honestly, if I passed them in the street, I'd escort them back to the home. He should be <laughs> attending press conferences in a dressing gown. What the hell is going on over there? This You're man talking- could fall onto a nuclear button and not be able to get back up.
1: <laughs> you sir are talking about the single most popular president of all time. He got 81. 81- Million votes. That's more than he got more black <laughs> votes than I got black votes. Yeah. Uh, 81 uh, look, million legitimate
0: votes. My heart actually genuinely, authentically goes out and goes, Someone needs to rescue that man from whatever <laughs> is happening to him. Uh, now, listen, Jake, it you is met a Trump. Sad. you yeah, met Trump recently. Um, you're a Trump supporter. What was that like meeting Trump?
1: Um, it was awesome. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't get starstruck very, very often, but that time I did. But Mostly because, you know, of what what my mom's been through in support of him. Like, if it were just me meeting Trump, I would have been cool. But like, you know, my mom literally got ousted by Hollywood for doing so, right? And gave up her career and paid a heavy price. So it was like to get a to get her to Mar a Lago and to meet him. It was it was a it was a really powerful thing for all of us, and it was cool very poetic, like, right? Yeah, it was. And you know, is he? I'll, you know, I, I piss off a lot of Trump supporters a lot, my wife included. Like, I, I don't love Trump, right? Like, in 2016, when, when, when I was a Bernie supporter and, and, I, and Hillary screwed Bernie, I just said, I'm not voting because I was so mad about Hillary. But I wasn't going to vote for Trump. And I woke up. This is a true story i was so sure hillary was going to win that i went to bed i didn't even watch the news and i got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and i was like you know i'm going to check my phone i just want to i want to know how much he won by like was this like the reagan landslide of 1980 and i remember opening my phone and seeing president elect trump this was like at two in the morning and i stood there and i was naked mind you in the dark i started laughing uncontrollably for about 45 minutes
0: i could not breathe I was like, I thought you were about to tell me you got a stiff.
1: No, no, I didn't like Trump. And I was like, this is, this is, this is idiocracy. Like, we just elected like a wrestler, right? It was such a low point, but it was hilarious. And the part of me that's a shit stir was like, this is going to be fun at least. Um, And then, and then I started paying attention to the people that were going after Trump, right? The, The mainstream, how much they hated him. Then he became, the most American president of all time. And what I mean by that is he became an outlaw and he became the guy standing up against the evil crown of England. And that's what he is to us. And a lot of people don't get that. They're like, what do you like? He's not that impressive. He's... It's not about Trump. It's about the people that hate Trump. If you ever talk to a liberal and go, what is it about Trump that you really don't like? Cause they, they fervently hate him. Like they want him to die. What is it that he's done that's so bad? They can't tell you because they're conditioned. They're brainwashed.
0: They're told politics aside, though. Politics aside, what was it like to be in his energy, to be in his presence? Um, it wasn't, I mean, I don't,
1: I don't pick up on, I I wasn't, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a
0: typical son of a celebrity. You don't get starstruck. I don't. And I'm not really impressed by (laughs) auras
1: generally. Like, okay. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. That's self defense because I grew up in Hollywood. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's how like the worst like child rape is, like they're the most charming people in the world. So whenever you're impressed by someone's aura, that usually means they're a horrible person, just in general. like How many, how, how many con artists would be successful if nobody liked them,
0: right? Okay, all right, I got it, I got
1: it. So I'm not really impressed, I just want to say, but I was impressed by Trump because he was very much warmer as a person. You hear anyone that's ever met him, they say the same thing.
0: You've been really generous helping me out. I want to try to help you out a bit now. Let's talk about the Roseanne Barr podcast that is center of your professional world at the moment. Here's a little snippet of you talking to your mum about Kim Uh Jong-un.
1: Dude, let's get you a wealthy South Korean. I think that sounds perfect. I think because I look like I'm, I look kind of Asian. I mean, I am kind of Asian being a Cossack and everything from the Ukraine there. But you would like a rich husband, and don't worry, she, you don't. She's not. You don't have to have sex with her, and you can have sex with whoever you want. She's not weird <laughs> about any of that stuff. Just want you to pay for. Her. So, I just, might- I just want to. I, I don't, I don't know about any of that. However, I'll tell ya, I wanna you, I just want to give great parties. <laughs> yeah. I just want
0: to have great parties.
1: Maybe you should marry a North Korean then because they actually, they have the best outfits and they have the biggest parties. People are so, have you ever watched them there? They just clap <laughs> nonstop. They're so happy. they have the best time. You ever watch those I wonder, videos? If, I wonder if Yun K. June, what's his name? At, He's no. married. Yeah, that would be, I hey, do, he would, I he wouldn't
0: would like people standing around clap for me like that.
1: No, every time I watch him, I'm like, I think my mom would have been, if she wasn't a comic, <laughs> would have been like a North Korean dictator. <laughs> 100% so, true
0: That's for kind of a name nonsense if you haven't listened to the Roseanne Barr podcast <laughs> Tune in, I love the moments that you and your mother share I know that you have big guests on and we'll talk about that But you don't hold back on this show, much as you haven't in this conversation too I love the honesty of, of you, Jake, I really do you, Thank I mean you. On that show, it takes a lot to shock me I'm fairly unshockable, but Quite a few times I'll be going about, usually cleaning. It keeps coming up in today's conversation, so I must clean a lot when I listen to your show. Be cleaning something, and I'll stop and go. Did I just hear that your mum will be talking about some traumatic birth that she's given? I think she even talked about your botched circumcision at one point.
1: Yes, yeah, we're, that is a true story. Everything's fine. I just always like to say that's when you hear botched nothing circumcision, off limits is there? No, there is nothing off limits, and and uh well, I mean. No, there really isn't. Is there him?
0: Well, there's some legal things that I noticed. Yeah. Sometimes you get to the edge of a cliff and you pull your mum back, or she pulls you back sometimes, too. Yeah, we're worried. Tell- yeah. Well, we yeah.
1: got demonetized by YouTube last week. I mean, we, we know that's coming. Welcome um, to the club. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's – it's uh, no, we don't I, – I mean, I'll, I would like I, – I think my mom holds back a little, if I'm honest, because – you know, she still thinks in terms of, you know, she's, she's, she's a boomer. Like, I don't want to say that because then people might think, but then she goes on always to say the most offensive or horrific things. So my, my thing I always tell my mom is just, just don't edit, don't self-edit, just say whatever comes to mind. Because usually in those moments with my mom specifically, those are usually less offensive. Once she starts self-editing, Then she gets angry that she's self-editing. Then she gets resentful at the person that she's talking to that she even has to self-edit. And then the pathological humor comes in and she's like, now I have to offend this person. Meanwhile, this person is not privy to any of this internal dialogue. So that's why a lot of people think she's really crazy. And then she'll go, fuck, now I got to offend this person. And then it'll turn to anger and she'll say something. And they're like, what? What happened? Right? So just don't edit. Talk about it. And she's been getting
0: better. What about you? Like At the end of the day, you're on a podcast and you are co-hosting whether you like it or not. You're co-hosting a podcast with your mother and she's talking about your penis in detail. Yeah, I mean I I mean I I've I've I love that. I should make it You know a, this isn't normal, don't you? You know it's not normal. I do. This isn't what I know you're the son of a celebrity, but in our world <laughs> this doesn't happen. You understand, Jake.
1: I know, I'm thinking I should make an Instagram page for my penis. I'm trying to make him his own celebrity. No, it's not normal. And it's also. I did want to
0: phone in, by the way. I did want to say. Well, because oh, we because you went three quarters of the way and I was like, well, finish it off. What is a botched suit? Like, exactly what happened? Well, and, and what, I'm what joking, t- by the way. You don't have no, to I'm answer that you. question. Oh, God.
1: They, it just, they, no, they, the doctor's <laughs> supposed to perform it, right? And then I think a rabbi comes in and sucks it or some weird stuff. I, I wasn't there. Sucks it? Yeah, there's some Jews that, there's some rabbis that do. That's true. I'm not making that up. You can look it up. They they stopped the bleeding with their mouth, which is really, really, it makes me question a lot of the Jewish faith, even though I'm a Jew. Like that's that's in line with stuff that I don't like. I don't like sucking little oh children's penises, but, but no, they do. That's a real thing. You can look it up. But anyway, uh, we're in the West here. So it wasn't a rabbi. It was a doctor. Well, the doctor was running stuck in traffic, as I understand it. So the nurse was like, you know what? We'll I'll just do it. I've done these enough. And apparently she hadn't done them enough. So she snipped the foreskin off. Is this in a car? No, this is in the hospital.
0: The the nurse did it.
1: Now they wouldn't let her. They'd say, you wait till the doctor gets here. But she's like, I don't know. This was the late 70s. So she snipped it. And then it just, all that happened was she snipped it a little little too deep that the bleeding didn't stop. So my penis looks fine. It wasn't like they cut my penis off. The thing was, it started shooting out blood like that Julia Child's Dan Aykroyd sketch from the SNL, my dad said. <laughs> so my dad had to run across the room and grab the head of my penis and pinch it until the doctor came and they could oh, stop Oh, man.
0: The okay. Wonderful.
1: Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, the blood flow, of my, Hannah's here. She'll
0: tell you, the blood flow's still good, right, babe? <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's confirming everything's in working order.
1: She's just, uh, she's, she's like, you know, she gets offended easily. She's offended. No, yeah, that was a botch. But no, I like, you know, the funnier parts of that podcast, when you're talking about my mom talking personal, is when she talks about giving birth to me and how her butt came out.
0: Yeah. That's not normal. Yeah. That, that to (laughs) me,
1: is much more offensive than the botch circumcision. Like, I could talk about my penis all day, but my mom's thinking about her butt actually coming inside out or outside (laughs) in. Like that's maybe I ha, maybe I can be offended because that's,
0: that that <laughs> if is anyone offensive. can do it, a mother usually could, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I was ten so pounds. Is,
0: so. it, is the show successful? Uh, it's been on for about eight months or so now. Is it successful?
1: It's very successful. So YouTube throttles us, but we're lucky because we we have
0: uh, our audio podcast
1: tracked uh, via the audio podcast host company Libsyn, and we're also on Rumble so we can actually see what our real numbers are and youtube takes a f- our best estimates youtube's taking about 30 or 40 percent of the view count away but with that said and everything accumulated yeah we're at like half a million a week and you know we wow we are throttled and, and we're not shared you know amazon when we started they're like hey Roseanne Barr will do a banner. And then she got canceled again that week when she was on Theo Vaughn's show and, and they said she was a Holocaust denier, which is my personal favorite cancellation of all time. Out of
0: context, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Totally. It's always out of context. Yep,
1: yep. My mom's is like the most Zionist pro-Israel Jew of all time. But that's how they work, right? So Amazon pulled pulled their banner ads for us and we have not been featured or sponsored. Uh, nobody talks about us. We, you know, we went on Donald Trump Jr.'s show Uh, I keep calling his people to get him on ours. I don't get answers. Like, you know, I I don't think we're really supported the best,
0: is all I'm saying. I would love to have. He's still successful. But in some ways, Jake, having, like, even though your mum's got that huge profile, in some ways, it's like a little underground show. And I love listening to stuff like that. And, you know, funnily enough, if it was to become commercially viable it might actually ruin the spirit of it um as your mum would know and you yourself would know so well because all of a sudden you're beholden to someone else's brand uh is it making money
1: yes it's it is believe it or not um although getting demonetized by youtube certainly doesn't help but i mean we uh we just we do ads and we're starting to like i mean people i i saw one comment it was only one but some people were complaining about the amount of ads we had like we're starting to sell out the show. Um, uh, from you a financial standpoint, have the standpoint. most
0: diverse range of products on your show. It's well, no one will. That's the other I've thing. Got a, we're not I've successful. got some gold bullion over here, right behind awesome. me. Awesome. <laughs>
1: well, we're going to do satellite phones and C sixty Evos coming. But you know what's what's cool is, you know, <laughs> it, it's just a testament to my mom because, you know, they're even though she was canceled, and they stole the show. Like she is technically uncancelable. And the podcast that we set up was for that reason. Libsyn, the company we chose, they used to do Rogan um, before we went to Spotify. They do not censor. They don't. They have left wing, right wing shows. They're 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 fervent on their First Amendment protection. So every step of the way, Rumble, of course, is a is a great platform for that. Every step of the way, we are on platforms and supported by people and products and companies that. If they don't share our values, they at least share that one value, which is we don't censor. So yep. she really can't be censored, except for YouTube demonetizing us, which which sucks because that was that was like a, a half, to a third to half of the money. And three, it's an hour of work a week for her, and at seventy-one years old, that's that's about what we get her for. So, you know, I set up. You, you'll notice on the podcast, you know, the sets change. I've done it from Arizona. I've done it from LA. We've done it from Texas. We're doing it in Hawaii now. Um, we did it in Florida. Like, I built the studio to travel, and uh, she just gets to go and live the best life. She she deserves it. She sleeps a lot of the time. She smokes weed. She watches Q's videos and monkey videos. One hour a week, she has to come out here and pontificate about <laughs> politics. And then she goes back to bed. And nice I stay and do it's all It's a the hell other
0: of a day. life you're describing. I wish I had it. <laughs> it's the best. Good on it's you, Roseanne. Really
1: no, she deserves it. You know what? She deserves it. Of course,
0: she worked bloody hard, and and I I see sometimes she's struggling by the end of some of those podcasts in terms of fatigue and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, Look, you've you've had some mega profile get, and by the way, that that's again where I see your protectiveness come out. Like you're you're so thoughtful to her, and it's. It's heartening for her fans to know that you're there and the rest of her family. You've had some mega profile guests. You've had Candace Owens, Carrie Lake, Rudy Giuliani, Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Are you learning new things about life by having access to, you know, powerful perspectives that these people deliver?
1: Yeah. Uh, Tucker Tucker was – okay, I do get starstruck. Now that I'm not – when I met Tucker, it was like – Oh, thank God. Meeting the face of – it was like meeting Jesus. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I went out there It was like meeting Jesus. It was like meeting Jesus. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overselling it. But no, we went to Florida and we did, you know, she did his show last year and he went to dinner with me and my mom and he wears flip-flops. What you see with Tucker, like how Trump's different on camera and off-camera, Tucker's the same person. Uh, and he's the nicest person. And I met people that work for him, that worked for him for 15 years. Like he's the greatest boss, he's the nicest guy. We went to dinner with him. We had the best conversation. Um, and uh, at by the end of the dinner, he pulled me outside and he said that and it was this was so validating for me that I was one of the most fascinating people I ever talked to and gave me his cell phone number. Wow. And uh so I I've texted with Tucker a few times, especially after he got canceled by Fox. Um and what I've found is that the people that are the most successful that I've met, like Candace and Carrie Lake and they so far, are the nicest people I've met. And it's very, very different than Hollywood. So what I'm finding now in the podcast or political world is that usually the best people are successful in that realm, which is the opposite of Hollywood. Hollywood's the most talented.
0: It it makes sense, though, doesn't it, Jake? These people, I'm not saying that the creative pursuits aren't admirable. They certainly are. But these people that you're bringing onto the show, they're putting their neck on the line. They Absolutely. really are. They're putting their neck on the line. Is there financial reward and gain and notoriety? Absolutely. And you could make that argument, but they are actually doing something. Has there ever been a guest on your show that's left you cold, though, or disappointed? Yes.
1: Yes. Um, uh, James O'Keefe. <laughs> I'm just going to tell the truth. I like James. I-, I saw him at TPUSA, but James O'Keefe is the most like work-oriented person, and I think that's why he's successful. The guy works nonstop we let him you know he stayed in our house and i love james o'keefe so we cooked him dinner he was on the phone working it's not an insult to him i don't mean to badmouth him but there was no like warm exchange like where i'm having dinner with tucker or candace you know where you feel like you're talking to the person like james is a machine and i by the end when he left i was like oh that sucked i really wanted i thought we were gonna go out and smoke a cigar and talk about Journalism and basically, I was just felt like I was watching the James O'Keefe show the entire time. So that wasn't that wasn't fun. That episode was great, and we support James and his work. But I don't know. I what's fun for me, even like when Ron White came over, we prefer in studio. Um, we I prefer to be in Texas with the Austin Comics, and what they do is they come to our house and we cook them dinner. My wife makes this delicious burrata appetizer to blow your mind, and. Blair White for instance came over and we have dinner before we do the podcast and we drink they're there for five or six hours then we just go film the podcast for an hour and we hang out so we get I get to have dinner with these people you know it's not just the podcast and I've started to recognize patterns of what makes a podcaster or talking head like Tucker successful and I I'm I'm learning from watching but it's it's what I've gathered so far is it, the most important thing is to be genuine you can see when you listen to the show, you see the real Roseanne and you see how genuine she is and how impassioned she is politically and myself included. And that That's what people want. And, and a lot of that is because they've seen the bullshit of the fake news media and all this talking and shit and they see how cold and calloused and evil it is that they want to clean and walk on the beach and listen to people, a woman and her son talk. Uh, even if it is politics they want it to be genuine and and I'm learning to be more genuine which is probably why I don't have a problem talking about my botched circumcision
0: but you were genuine from episode 1 I remember my observations in the first couple of episodes were uh, you guys are still finding your feet here and I could but what I loved was the genuine interaction between you and your mum you were really pissed off with her mum let let them speak mum yeah. shut up mum they're trying to finish their sentence mum mum and that's what got me hooked it's like hang on this is not edited um it, it it's this is what their relationship is can I give you some other thoughts about yes. the show, if that's all right, yes, of course. <laughs> How arrogant of me! No, I um, love it. It feels like sometimes there's something ticking over in your brain where you're thinking, "Ah, oh, people have tuned in to hear my mum, and I better just stop a little bit because I might be going too far." I notice that you ask the guests, "Can I ask you a question?" Which is a bit of a giveaway for me. Like, why are you asking permission? You're a co-host uh is it a fair statement that it's taken you a while to settle into your part of the show
1: um that is a fair statement but that that's a lot of that's just being deferential to my mother and the guest like i mm. i'm i'm probably oversensitive, but you know being the son of a celebrity it's i already know that everybody's thinking i'm there because I was born there, and then I don't deserve Bang. to be there. Sorry
0: to stop you, but that is the self consciousness that I see and hear on the podcast. Exactly that. People are going to think that I have no. Drop it, mate. You're as every bit as good as your mum. Drop it. Like Thank I know you. it's it's got her name on it, but it, 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 when you you have a big value add to that show, so drop that. Thank you. And I, I hear the guests really respect it too. Sometimes you rescue the guests. You know that, don't you? Yes, you rescue yeah. them sometimes. No, I. I you produce take your that little show. Roseanne uh, translation book sometimes. I've known <laughs> you must flick through it and go, okay, what mum meant by that three minute monologue was, <laughs> and right, the guests no. will be like, oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I. I'm, I mean, I produce literally produce the show. That is, I. I. I do that. Like I'm booking. You the work hard on, on it. And, I can tell. I, I. Yeah, I mean, it's all. It's just me, and then, you know, my wife will help me. But I literally book it, shoot it, film it, edit it. It's. It's. It's you know ninety five percent me, and then of course well not whatever that's that was arrogant. Mom is the only other producer that, yeah, and mom talking is the only other work being done on the podcast. But I yeah I do it all. I upload it. I do all the whatever. So my point is that's my job first. I feel like I'm producer first. So and it's the Roseanne Bar podcast, and if Carrie Lake's on, people want to see Roseanne and Carrie talk. They don't want to see Roseanne's son talk. Mm. Now I'll come in. Uh, if I feel like it's slow or if it needs to, or if I'm going to ask a question, I between you and I, I think I ask the best questions out of any podcaster. Like I'm very arrogant. Um, and I I'll, when I'm editing, I go, thank God Jake's here. I do that a lot. Like, there he goes, here <laughs> comes Jake, He'll say, you know, he's going to make this episode. Great. But I do it from a, pro- from a producer standpoint, not a co-host. And I think that's yep. another thing you're picking up on. And also I don't want to be like, I don't want to be the, I've already forced my way on the show, so to speak, right? Because I knew when we were starting that, you know, my mom, her fatigue level and, and the way in which she thinks like someone needed to be in there to produce, like I know that much. So
0: I figured it would be me.
1: I know her better than anyone. I used to podcast. Is that and- also
0: because of censorship I or think or it's- regulation? Let's call it regulation because your mom's been talking about doing a podcast for years. Yeah. And- but she would often say, I think she even told Joe Rogan, but I'd be getting myself into trouble. Were you sort of, is it important that you're there to make sure that you don't, she doesn't get into trouble? Some, some, the part of that's there, you know, like,
1: you know, I've edited out one thing, uh, for that reason. One thing that I think if, if I put it on, it might have got her in, in trouble. It was so fucking okay. funny. Uh, I'm really <laughs> mad about it because it was when Jack Posovic was on, it was probably the hardest laugh we ever had. And it was so funny. And you couldn't put it in. <laughs> I didn't put it in, so that was to protect shame.
0: her. And I might tell you what it was. I'll think about it. But um, no, no, God, if you had to edit it out of your show, don't get my little show canceled. No,
1: I don't think because it it really wasn't that bad. It was probably me just being oversensitive. But anyway, the point is, <laughs> um, no, and I don't want to sound rude, but my mom, you know, she's so smart and so well read. She's, she still struggles with being disassociated from time. So sometimes she'll cling to something that isn't true or isn't vetted, right? Like we just did the Taylor Swift thing. She was talking about Taylor Swift's real name is Swiftstein. It was a Jew. Like oh, that was a meme. that was a myth that yelled. went around. <laughs> yeah, I went, that's a myth. Is it is a myth, isn't it? It is a myth. So yeah, that's yeah. the real reason I'm there is for that because. <laughs> you know she's she's alone it's so cool it's so cool (laughs) no it's great and i that's what i love about her like she'll say whatever like that's what people love about her. like i would never edit her but you know when you're 18 hours a day on your computer watching everything on the internet and believing it when you go to do a podcast if you're there by yourself for an hour it's one thing to get in trouble you also might say things that just aren't aren't true Uh so when we first started it was like oh i'll be a fact checker so the very first episode, if you watch it, you'll see she starts talking about stuff Obama did and what, and I pull it up on screen, and I'm like, are you talking about this? That was that was me producing because I knew that she was going to cite things that were true because she knows her shit, and then yeah. she might say something that's full of shit, and and she won't know the difference. So originally <laughs> my role was just to go, Ma, you're talking about this, and here's here's the document online. Everybody listening, you can go read it here. So I'd keep her only spouting fact.
0: Oh, your chemistry is amazing, and, and keep doing it. It, it is amazing. You. You're a dad now, a fairly new dad. I think it was 2020 your daughter was born. Is that right? Yeah,
1: 2021. Yeah.
0: 21? 20- yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. What's, what's she like? I know that we don't talk about our kids too much, but generally, is she a happy little girl, healthy? The, the
1: happiest, funniest, healthiest little girl. Like she's, um, we're pregnant I'd say we, because I'm also f- gained weight. Um, but we're we're expecting our second daughter. Um, Yay! Of, Congratulations! Yeah. Thank I you. I haven't heard
0: that on your podcast. That's so yeah. fantastic.
1: Well, because when I talk about it, it, makes Hannah, my wife, mad. Because to be honest, our first child is, and I know everyone loves their kid, but like I don't think we're gonna do better. I really don't. <laughs> and I, know, I and I'm serious. I'm not trying to be funny. Like this second kid's gonna have to really come out. And really impressed me because Livia, my daughter, is so funny, so smart. And I'm talking like legit funny, not like, oh, I have dad eyes and everything she does is funny. Like legit makes everybody around her laugh. And she's so sweet and she's so thoughtful. Like I, I'm, I've nailed it. Like me and Hannah look at her every day and we're like, wow, I don't know who. Like we were talking yesterday about the potential that maybe like she got swished at the hospital and we took somebody else's baby. <laughs> and me and Hannah were saying, would we give her back? And we we're like, no, I wouldn't. I'm not. And She's like, you wouldn't want, if we found out our kid was switched and our real daughter was out there, I was like, no, it's not going to be better than Livia. So no, we're going to keep her. I say, we'll change our names. We'll move out of the country. Like I'm not giving her back.
0: Sounds to me, Jake, <laughs> that that Hannah and Livia are the best things that you've ever done. Are you a they hands-on are. dad?
1: Yes. That's the other thing I love about this podcast. I don't want to get emotional again, but it affords me the opportunity to be at home all day with my daughter. And if I had to, God forbid, get a real job, quote unquote, I would be distraught. And I, f- I feel for parents that don't have the, the blessings and opportunities that I have that can't stay at home with their kid. Because I tell you, if I couldn't be around Livia all day, um, I would I would be beyond miserable i would be in full on clinical depression we Hannah and i went to the hardware store today and left her with with my mom and you know it's like 45 minutes and i was already like i miss livia i want to get back i couldn't imagine 8 or 10 hours away from her uh, uh, and i don't know how parents makeup. do it and i think there's probably parents out there i'll say it i don't think they like their children that much and i don't think those people should be should be parents because if you don't feel for your kid the way I feel for Livy, then then you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? It's not easy.
0: That feeling you're describing, I have kids too, wasn't yeah. the same as it was for me the very moment you held her for the first time?
1: Yeah, my um my father in law, Hannah's dad, he's he's such a good dude. And, you know, I was excited and I always wanted to be, you know, I didn't always want to be a dad, but I was excited by the time it happened and I held Livia and <clears throat> got her home and like a week later he took me outside and he's like you never thought you'd love something that much did you and i said no <laughs> oh. and i and i've talked to other dads some dads i've talked to are, are you know like my best friend he's like nah not really i don't really care but <laughs> most people most of the guys i've talked to are like no i didn't i didn't think i was capable of that love and you know it's everyone talks about that easily for a woman or a mother i don't think enough people talk about that as a dad, and and I've I've been quoted multiple times as saying the biggest problem in the world is shit dads.
0: What lessons are you taking from the way that you were raised and applying to being a dad? Doing the exact
1: opposite. <laughs> I mean, for real, for real. Like my parents, like they were hippie. Really? We didn't ha- oh my god, we didn't have to clean our rooms as kids. Like my parents were. Our f- we had we had a thing called. Let me just tell you this. So a lot of people think because my mom's famous, like that we grew up you know, with maids and wealthy in class. Like, we never have had class. And my mom didn't get famous till I was, like, 10. So before that, my mom was a housewife and crude, and my dad worked at the post office. We had a booger wall, um, and this oh, is disgusting. how many
0: families have a booger wall?
1: <laughs> None. I've never met another. But my parents were so fed up with me and my sisters. We, we 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 took the neighbor's car and put it in neutral and knocked over his motorcycle. Like, we were horrible, feral kids with no discipline. And My parents were like, let's just contain them to one area. So they let us have the basement to like thrash and wipe our boogers on. That's called the booger wall. There was never like, hey, kids, don't do that. It was like, okay, just do it there. And then I remember one time my mom got so fed up with the house being so filthy. Then she said, we're all cleaning our rooms. And me and my sister were so upset at the very thought of having to do a chore that we tried to break our legs. Me and my sister went in the basement and were kicking the cement... um, (laughs) thing and the, <laughs> trying to break our leg to get out of cleaning our room that's a true story so
0: to answer your question so you're doing everything the opposite
1: absolutely Livia Livia is is disciplined and uh you know she's she's not she's not like abused or anything she's disciplined like you no, you can't do that she hears no quite a bit she gets things taken away from her if she doesn't listen she has to follow rules like it's a normal father and mother and, and daughter relationship that most people do. But for me, it's the opposite of, of how I was raised. And, you know, what we do because we want her to enjoy her childhood and not feel like a, a you know, a servant is we leave her with both her grandmas. So my mom uh, is Mimi, Roseanne, she calls her Mimi. And then Hannah's mom is Gigi, her name's Randy. And when she goes to her grandma's, she can have as much sugar and do whatever she wants. She doesn't have to follow any <laughs> orders. So we let her go. And we've told her, when you're with your grandma's, you can do whatever you want. But when you're home, you know, you have to listen. And so far, that's worked. The only problem with that is that we live with Mimi. So sometimes, like today, when we went to the hardware store. We came back, and she, she was, had Play-Doh on the kitchen table and was eating um, sugar which would not be allowed if, if I were watching her.
0: Grandparents are allowed to do that. Grandparents are allowed to do that. That's what grandparents
1: and, are for. So that's, where, that's her vacation. Solution. But no, she has, she has discipline. And you know the other thing I'm doing that, that my parents didn't do is um, I don't explain things to her. You know, I don't negotiate with her. I don't sit there and go, I'm doing this because that liberal parenting shit that I can't stand. I saw a kid one time in a store grab a purse he was a little boy and he was like mom i want and she's like you don't want the purse and first of all i'm not buying you a purse you're six years old and we'll come back if you want it in a week like she started negotiating he's like i want and she goes you don't want it he goes i don't want it i need it and then (laughs) threw a fit and grabbed every purse on the shelf and threw it on the floor (laughs) that livia will never do that because i will not explain to her or negotiate with her. I'll tell you why I'm something. laughing,
0: Jake. The, the the story's funny, but what's funnier is me imagining you watching <laughs> in uh,
1: judgments of the no, so, I, I am so mean. <laughs> when I see a bad kid, I am I am the you know, I used to on my old podcast used to talk about parenting a lot and it pissed off all my listeners. Most of them were, were mothers and they're like, you don't mm-hmm. know. When you have a kid, you won't um and I used to make the argument which really pissed him off, which is I'm actually the best person to talk about parenting. Because I'm objective, the last thing I do with Livia is I don't let her cry. I really don't. I don't. I'm not mean to her. I just ignore it. If she cries or tries to use crying as leverage or a manipulation tactic, it simply does not work on me. And Livia is oh, the most Jake. quiet baby. She Can doesn't you cry.
0: Write a little manual or operating procedure for that, because yeah. when when a little girl cries, I know. I can't. I I I. The rational brain is going, I know what's Yet. happening here. I'm being manipulated. <laughs> but those weak. eyes, when they look <laughs> up at you, even thinking about it, I'm getting the goosebumps. So I don't know how you manage to avoid that manipulation. How do you do it?
1: Very you must simple. Be a
0: cruel, cruel man.
1: No, I, I use the, the, the one thing my mother taught me uh, the beauty of her mental illness is I use disassociation. And Uh when I see Livia crying, like I want the iPad and I see the pain in her eyes, I just zone out and I'm like, nah, you're not getting it. And then I leave. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't ever enter my heart and I don't let it in. She'll she'll be three in April, so she's two. In, she's two. In I'm just going to
0: jot this down on this pad next to me. If we ever talk again, I'm going to return to this because Jake thinks he's winning at this stage. <laughs> she's got a lot more tricks for you, my friend. I my know. daughter's fourteen, and you ain't seen nothing yet.
1: <laughs> I will. I will accept challenge. Accepted. dad to I, dad. I'm going to say that you know he's, I, not only was I raised by like one of the baddest bitches on the planet. I also had two older sisters, so I was raised by women. I usually am more comfortable with women than men growing up. Like I've only started to have friendships with men in like the last ten years. That's normal. Like I used to, if I was at a party with guys, I wouldn't know what to talk about because I was raised by women. Literally, like I'd be on guys would be sitting there like, yeah, we're gonna go out and get pussy or whatever. And like I, I never even had a one night stand. Like I, I was like, oh, you got to care about people's feelings. Like I'd get laughed out of the room, right? So I'm very comfortable with women, and I'm going to use that as a counter move to my daughter when she is Because <laughs> I know when the hormones kick in, what I, what I c- c- call lady brain is I, literally what I do, honestly, more than the podcast or my job, is I argue nonstop with women in my life. I do it with my mom and my wife. All I do is argue with women, and I've never lost an argument with a woman. I'm the only man in the world that can say that. I have never lost Jake. They don't know that, but it's Jake, true.
0: Jake. <laughs> just just lean in. My money's still on Livia. Okay. <laughs> well, Hannah. <laughs> Hannah will be there to help I, I feel like th- this last part of the conversation, I feel like I've got to know you more than any other part of the conversation. When you talk about your family, you you absolutely light up and I can feel You know, the beautiful person that you actually are. I can feel it very, very strongly. Can I ask you just one last question, Jake?
1: Yes, sir. My phone's going to die, so this will be it.
0: Can you do an impression of your mother's incredible laugh?
1: I cannot. Uh -uh. I'll try if you want, but what I can tell you is that when people meet me, it's always a bad Roseanne impression every single fucking time. And it's hilarious. They're always like, yeah, they're like, yeah, you know how your mom's all like, and then go to and they all do that voice. Everybody, it's never, it's never, never once has anybody quoted my mother without going. And it cracks me up. It's always no, it's more like this. It's more like, yeah. Then she was all like, "Hey, Jake. It's I don't even know. Can you? What is the impression, Hannah? What? It's just. It's like Shannon. But yeah. Uh, so I don't do impressions of my mom because I get impressions of her four thousand times a day. It drives me crazy.
0: Does she laugh like that in real life? Yes. Because my sister didn't like watching Roseanne. I did. And when that opening sequence came on, she would just be furious. She'd go, oh, that fucking laugh. <laughs> and she'd storm off out of the room. Yeah. So, and obviously her. that just made me more delighted, you know, why wouldn't <laughs> it, when a sibling's furious about something like that?
1: <laughs> That's the best part. You know, my mom, um, one of her favorite things to do is to take that laugh public. When she first saw Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, with Jim Carrey laughed through the entire movie out loud that she embarrassed me in the theater and people were moving. <laughs> in the theater. So that laugh bothers a lot of people, but here's what she did with it. When I told her, I yelled at her. I said, you embarrassed me. You're in the theater. She then went back to the same theater. This is hundred percent true. She did it five more times over a course of five weeks, would go watch Ace Ventura and ruin it for everybody with her laughter. and she would really do it and it was that was enjoyable for her and people and i and i couldn't go with her i was so embarrassed but she loved it
0: oh jake see we come full circle now we know why you're such a shit stirrer
1: yes yes i am i am my mother's (laughs) kid and a racist
0: too that's why (laughs) and a fat shamer
1: (laughs) yeah and a fat shamer (laughs) yeah mom did ask me that once One time she called on my podcast and asked me the same question you did, which is, you know, you sit here and rag on fat women, your sister and and me, your mother are fat. Don't you feel bad about it? And I was like, no, you're the reason I hate fat women. And that got one of the biggest laughs of her life. (laughs) I've deleted a lot of episodes, but that was a proud moment for me. Jake, thank you. Yes. Thank you. That was amazing. I'm glad I did this.